Good evening. I'm Anthony Robustelli, author of I Want to Tell You, The Definitive Guide to the Music of the Beatles, and this is the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Each week I'll be playing stripped-down, deconstructed mixes of classic Beatles songs, highlighting different instruments and vocals in a way that will truly amaze you. Imagine sitting in the control room at EMI Studios and having the opportunity to peel away the layers of a song, discovering new elements that you never knew existed. This is the closest you can get to that experience. So sit back, tune in, and enjoy the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. I'll make you maybe next time On December 8, 1980, the world lost one of the most influential musicians of the century when John Lennon was assassinated in front of his home at the Dakota in New York City. This week, we're going to feature his music from his years as a member of the Beatles, as well as his solo career, in part two of the special John Lennon edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. We're going to start tonight with two of Lennon's hardest rocking covers from 1963, Twist and Shout and Money. Twist and Shout would truly demonstrate how the Beatles could make a cover song their own by putting their spin on it. It would become the definitive version of the song. It sounds raw and energetic in all the right places. The tight rhythm of the guitars, the pumping bass line, the drum groove, and of course, the reckless abandon in Lennon's vocal, which we'll highlight today. The reason that so many Beatles cover songs work so well is that they inject an energy and a lack of restraint that could only come from a fan. What can be said of Lennon's vocal performance that hasn't been already? The sheer power in his delivery is enough to make the take dynamic, but the sound of exhaustion makes it feel like the closing song of a long gig in Hamburg. Lennon has stated his initial dislike of his performance on Twist and Shout in a 1976 interview. The last song nearly killed me. My voice wasn't the same for a long time after. Every time I swallowed it was like sandpaper. I was always bitterly ashamed of it because I could sing it better than that, but now it doesn't bother me. You can hear I'm just a frantic guy doing his best. It is apparent that Lennon definitely sang it cleaner in live performances over the many years that they performed it, but nowhere is it so over the top. It truly does sound frantic, but that only adds to the mood of the song. Although he was at his end, he could still add screams to the climax that are a forerunner to solo songs like Cold Turkey and Mother. This vocal interpretation surely was one of the most raucous in 1963, and definitely set a standard for rock vocals that would follow. Next up, Money. Barrett Strong's first record for Barry Gordy's Motown label was one of Lennon's hottest covers and the hardest rocking song that the Beatles recorded in 1963. By the time the Beatles stepped into the studio on July 18th, they had already performed money for their failed Decca audition, recorded for three BBC radio programs, and had been playing it as part of their live set since 1960. But this is truly the preeminent performance. Ringo's drumming, the raunchy tone of Lennon and Harrison's guitars, the relentlessness of Martin's piano, and the pumping McCartney bass line conspire together to take the song in a much harder direction than the original, and shows how their interpretation of a song would develop over time. One only needs to compare the version with Pete Best on drums from the January 1st, 1962 Decca audition, with a version captured by Adrian Barber, lead guitarist of Cass and the Casanovas, that featured Ringo behind the kit during their Star Club residency nearly a year later on December 31st, 1962, or their first recording of the song for the BBC on May 21st, 1963, to hear the differences and development. The surf guitar tone of the intro paired with Martin's piano lay down a hypnotic groove, and its entrance alone is worth the price of admission. When Harrison enters on the upbeat of beat three in the second bar, the minor third he strikes sounds particularly threatening. Unfortunately, the British mono version's intro was edited from another take and would not include this striking feature. Luckily, American listeners enjoyed this captivating intro in both mono and stereo. 
When Capitol Records put the song on the Beatles' second album, the mono version was created by summing the two channels of the stereo mix, thereby creating another variation of money and the only intro American listeners would be familiar with for many years. Oh, oh, oh. 
Shout and money. Next, we'll hear two songs from late 1964. It's no secret that John Lennon was a big fan of Bob Dylan and that his music heavily influenced Lennon's output in 1964 and 1965. I'm a Loser definitely shows this both lyrically and musically, with Lennon's harmonica to the fore. McCartney spoke of Lennon's lyrics in Barry Miles' book many years from now. Looking back on it, I think songs like I'm a Loser and Nowhere Man were John's cries for help. We used to listen to quite a lot of country and western songs. And they are all about sadness, and I lost my truck, so it was quite acceptable to sing I'm a Loser. It's only later you think, God, I think it was brave of John. We'll hear a mix of Take Two that features Lennon's acoustic guitar, Harrison's country sound, and Gretsch Tennessean, along with Lennon's lead vocal and McCartney's backing. Then we'll hear early takes of the A-side of the group's eighth British single. While in the studio recording eight days a week, Lennon came up with the guitar riff for I Feel Fine, influenced by a 1961 song by Bobby Parker called Watch Your Step. The drums have a Latin flavor to them and were inspired by Ray Charles' What I Say. The group often played the song for 10-plus minutes in the Hamburg days. It was quite innovative for 1964, being the first time that feedback was used on a rock and roll record. We'll start with the guitars and lead vocal from Take One, which was originally played one step higher in the key of A. Listen for Lennon asking if his voice sounded strained after the take breaks down. We'll follow up with a mix of take six, switching between the guitars and the bass and the drums. Two tracks from late 1964. Two. One, two, one, two. I'm a loser of all the love I have won or have lost. There is one love I should never have crossed. She was a girl in a million, my friend I should have known she would win in the end I'm a loser And I lost someone who's near to me I'm a loser And I'm not what I appear to be Although I laugh and I act like a clown Behind this mask I am wearing a frown my tears are falling like rain from the sky Is it for her or myself that I cry? I'm a loser 
I'm a loser And I'm not what I appear to be Such a fate Realize that I left it too late And so it's true Pride comes before a fall I'm telling you So that you won't lose all I'm a loser 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 Well, there's a frayed edge for you.
Welcome back to part two of the special John Lennon edition of the Beatles' multi-track meltdown. Next up, the A-side of the group's next single, Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride was what Lennon described as a heavy record, one of the earliest heavy metal records made. Paul's contribution was the way Ringo played the drums. This also marks the debut of Paul McCartney, lead guitarist. McCartney added the idea of what he called the crazy ending. He elaborated in 1994. Instead of ending like the previous verse, we changed the tempo. We picked up one of the lines, My Baby Don't Care, but completely altered the melody. We almost invented the idea of a new bit of a song on the fade-out with this song. It was quite radical at the time. Ticket to Ride marks the first time that John, Paul, and George would play electric guitar together on record. And besides Harrison's If I Needed Something from Rubber Soul, the last time he would play his Rickenbacker 12-string guitar on a Beatles record. We'll follow with two songs from 1965's Rubber Soul. First, a stripped-down mix of Lennon's masterpiece Norwegian Wood. Written by Lennon with McCartney's help on the middle, the song is about an affair that he had, possibly with photographer and neighbor Robert Freeman's wife, Sonny. As Lennon explained in an interview with David Sheff, I was very careful and paranoid because I didn't want my wife, Sin, to know that there really was something going on outside of the household. I'd always had some kind of affairs going on, so I was trying to be sophisticated in writing about an affair, but in such a smokescreen way that you couldn't tell. According to McCartney, it was his idea to burn the house down at the end of the song. This mix will feature Lennon's acoustic guitar, along with vocals by both Lennon and McCartney. We'll then hear Girl, the last song recorded for the Rubber Soul LP. Lennon's vocal drips with attitude, so we'll start with acoustic guitar and vocals, but drums will come in to add some heft to this mix halfway through, and McCartney and Harrison's naughty backing vocals will also make an appearance. Three songs from 65. One, two, three, four.
say she wants at me She's shown me her room Isn't it good? Norwegian wood She asked me to stay And she told me to sit anywhere So I looked around And I noticed there wasn't a chair Is the earth to me and I believe her after 
Next up, two songs from the summer of 1967. Lennon's inspiration for our first song came when his son Julian showed him a nursery school drawing he called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, depicting his classmate Lucy O'Donnell. Julian Lennon said, I don't know why I called it that or why it stood out from all my other drawings, but I obviously had an affection for Lucy at that age. I used to show Dad everything I'd built or painted at school, and this one sparked off the idea. The BBC banned the song, stating that it was about drugs since the first letter of each noun spelled LSD, and the lyrics were quite psychedelic. After that, we'll hear the closing song from Sgt. Pepper, A Day in the Life. Lennon began the song using headlines from the Daily Mail, and the song had flowed quite effortlessly. But he still needed a middle section. Luckily, McCartney had one that he wasn't sure what to do with, so they put the two pieces together and an opus was born. They were unsure of how to connect the two pieces together, so they left a space of 24 bars open with Ringo keeping time, Paul playing dissonant piano chords, and Rhody Mal Evans counting down with heavy echo added to his voice. When they reached the end of the section, Mal set off an alarm clock, which worked perfectly with McCartney's woke up, fell out of bed line. A few weeks later, they came up with the idea of using an orchestra for the build-up, and rather than have them play a specific part, Martin instructed each musician to start at the lowest note and end on their highest. Each player was also told to move at their own pace to add to the cacophony. It was quite a scene that night with the orchestra dressed in evening dress with funny hats, gorilla paws, and rubber noses. Lennon thought it would loosen them up and break down the barriers between rock and classical musicians. To Martin's surprise, most of the musicians were happy to participate in the shenanigans. Friends were invited, including Michael Nesmith from the Monkees and Mick Jagger from the Stones, to add to the party atmosphere. These two songs will be true remixes with instruments and vocals coming in and out, highlighting different elements of these two psychedelic songs. So stay sharp. Picture yourself in a boat on a river With tangerine trees and marmalade skies Somebody calls you, you answer quite slowly A girl with kaleidoscope People eat marshmallow pies Everyone smiles as you drift past the flowers That grow so incredibly high Newspaper taxis appear on the shore Waiting to take you
with plasticine pauses with looking glass ties. Suddenly someone is there at the turnstile, the girl with kaleidoscope
Lennon's remarkable I Want You She's So Heavy from the Abbey Road LP was recorded over six sessions at both Trident and EMI Studios. The final version ended up being an edit of two similar but not identical mixes. Since Lennon had done different overdubs over two versions of the same backing track, there were in effect two different versions, and until August 20th, 1969, Lennon was unsure as to which version he wanted to release. By editing the two together, he got what he wanted. We all know that I Want You, She's So Heavy is a guitar-oriented song with multiple overdubs by both Lennon and Harrison. But for this mix, we're going to showcase Billy Preston's smoking hot organ part, along with Starr's innovative drumming. We'll also highlight Lennon's bluesy guitar solo, McCartney's creative bass part until the solo, and again on the fade-out, as well as some lead and backing vocals, including Lennon's infamous scream before the last She's So. The guitars will finally appear for the outro, but without the white noise generated from the Moog synthesizer, so you could truly hear the band at one of their heaviest moments. I want you, she's so heavy.
Following the birth of his son Sean in 1975, Lennon put his career on hold to raise him while Yoko took care of their business affairs. In the summer of 1980, Lennon made a sailing trip through treacherous waters from Newport, Rhode Island to Bermuda, and after almost losing his life in a storm, he began to write new songs and reworked earlier demos and decided he was ready to record again. Yoko had also been writing, and they decided to release the album with songs written by each of them, the first time they had done so since 1972's Politically Charged Sometime in New York City. In 2010, the 30th anniversary of the original release of Double Fantasy, Ono released a stripped-down version of the record, muting many of the vocal and instrumental overdubs, as well as much of the reverb used to create the glossy 1980 production. Tonight we'll be hearing deconstructed mixes of Watching the Wheels. People say I'm crazy Doing 
kinds of warnings To save me from ruin When I say that I'm okay Well they look at me kind of strange Surely you're not happy now You no longer play the game People say I'm lazy Dreaming my life away Well they give me all kinds of advice Designed to enlighten me Tell them that I'm doing fine Watching shadows on the wall Don't you miss the big time, boy You're no longer on the ball I'm just sitting here watching the wheels Go round and round I really love to watch them roll Questions lost in confusion. Well, I tell them there's no problem, only solutions. Well, I shake their heads and they look at me as if I've lost my mind. I tell them there's no hurry. I'm just sitting here doing time I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round I really love to watch them roll No longer riding on the merry-go-round I just have to Thanks for tuning in to this special John Lennon edition of the Beatles Multitrack Meltdown. We're going to close the show tonight with John Lennon's best-selling single of his solo career, the title track from his second LP, Imagine. Lennon later said the composition should be credited as a Lennon Ono song. A lot of it, the lyric and the concept, came from Yoko, but in those days I was a bit more selfish, a bit more macho, and I sort of omitted her contribution, but it was right out of Grapefruit. When asked about the song's meaning during a December 1980 interview with David Sheff for Playboy magazine, Lennon told Sheff that Dick Gregory had given Ono and him a Christian prayer book, which helped inspire in Lennon what he described as the concept of positive prayer. If you can imagine a world at peace with no denominations of religion, not without religion, but without this my God is bigger than your God thing, then it can be true. The World Church called me once and asked, can we use the lyrics to imagine and just change it to imagine one religion? That showed me they didn't understand it at all. 
It would defeat the whole purpose of the song, the whole idea. For this mix, we'll break it down to Lennon's vocal, piano, and the beautiful strings arranged by Tori Zito, who had also worked with Frank Sinatra and Quincy Jones. Imagine. I hope 